Hey, thanks for joining us for this Empowered series. We're talking about the power for you to do what's next, and you don't have to do it in your power. You can do it in the power of the Holy Spirit. We hope that this will be helpful to you wherever you are in your spiritual journey, and that no matter when you're watching this, that you'll connect with us. You can go to branchlife.church at any time and fill out the connection card. If you have any questions, if you have any prayer requests, we'd love to pray for you. We'd love to know that you joined us for this episode. Hey, stay tuned to the end, and I've got some more information for you. In the meantime, enjoy this episode of the Empowered series. Well, welcome as we begin a new series. We're calling today Kickoff Sunday, and I'm so glad to see all of your bright and shining faces here this morning. Even though it's a little bit wet and rainy outside, there's actually a lot of things kicking off today, not the least of which is the Eagles versus the Lions, right? And let's just say it all together, go Eagles. And I have a, a special, uh, special request for all of us wishing the Eagles luck that they destroy the Lions today. Uh, because my, all my in-laws live in Michigan, and they're Detroit fans. So uh, this just helps me rub it in, and I have been losing in other areas. Uh, Penn State has let us down recently, but we're rooting for the Eagles. So it is kickoff Sunday, but for us here at Branch, and maybe for you, it's the kickoff not only of a new football season, it's the kickoff of a new season of life. We're stepping into fall. It's a kickoff of a new school year, so school families are getting into new rhythms. And for us as a church, Branch Life is kicking off kind of our next chapter. And we're really excited over the next couple of months to talk to our church family and our community about what God is calling us to next. We are one year out of our grand opening of this very worship center. It was a year ago today that we opened Branch Life Church's worship center here. And uh, we celebrated on that day a grand opening. The only thing that we had kind of put in place was this room and then the kids areas downstairs but since then the cafe has been brought up to speed we've done a lot of work on the grounds we still have a lot more work to go uh, to help us fulfill the mission that we think God is calling us to in this next season which we're super excited about I, I was um, a part of planning our senior trip in college I was the senior class president I've talked about this a couple of times but we planned an amazing trip to London Paris and Amsterdam and we planned this trip for three years and you're going with all of your best friends from college you're gonna hang out in Europe to celebrate graduating from college and changing seasons well my roommate decided to get married and guess when he scheduled his wedding the same weekend as our class trip I had a choice to make whether I would participate in my roommate's wedding or go on the class trip that I was planning and I chose my roommate. I chose poorly. <laughs> I didn't get to go on the trip that we were planning. One of my friends, uh, very thoughtful, wanted to include me in this trip. And so she bought a book 
that had a title on it, and, and it, it looked like this official book. And, but when you opened the book, it was called Write It Yourself. And the book had no words in it. It, it, it had blank pages. So our Acts Journal is kind of like that. We have the words on one side, but then the, uh, the other side is blank because the idea is you're supposed to write in it yourself. Well, this Write It Yourself book was designed to, to kind of keep track of what was going on in the trip. And what they did is somebody in our class every day wrote a page in that book. They wrote about Paris. They wrote about the Eiffel Tower. They wrote about the food they were eating. They wrote about the fun they had on the airplane, the, the stupid hotel that we booked for them that was no good, right? And they just talked about riding on the, on the channel and all this kind of stuff. And, and when they got back from the trip, I was waiting in the airport with another friend who couldn't go, and they walked in and they presented me a gift. And it was this book that they had filled with these beautiful stories that made me even more mad that I chose my roommate. <laughs> God give us wisdom, right, for life's choices. Now, when you look at a book or a chapter of a book that has a blank page, I don't know if that makes you excited or terrified. When you come into a season where you don't know what's next, where you don't know what the words are going to be or what the story, how the story is going to be written, does that get you energized or does that make you nervous? Do you get a little bit of angst and anxiousness? Do you get discouraged? Do you get overwhelmed? Or are you waiting with bated breath to kind of charge new territory? If you're like me, I am ready to turn the page in so many ways. I am ready for a new season of Eagles football, right? And they're going all the way, right? It's a blank page. We can write it. I, I'm ready to see what's next at Branch Life Church. It's a blank page. We get to write it. We're busting at the seams. What do we do next? We're helping all kinds of people, yet there's more people to help. What do we do next? I'm excited about that. But I'm also terrified. My kids are starting eighth grade and fourth grade. That is a disaster in my book. They're not supposed to be getting older. They're not supposed to be starting. But we get to write this new school year, brand new season. I'm ready to turn. I am personally willing in sweater weather, right? It's 90 degrees out. I'm like, I don't care. It's September. I'm wearing a sweater. I'm putting a hoodie on because I love sweater weather. Let's put a fire out on the deck. No, not yet. It's a little humid. I'm ready. I'm ready. For what's next, I think about Prince Charles, excuse me, King Charles III. He had no idea at this time last week that he would go from prince to king, right? And all of a sudden, the announcement comes that changes the world. If you're a little bit sad about Queen Elizabeth, me too. <laughs> She's so sweet. But now he's got a new chapter. Serena Williams loses in the U.S. Open, and she's evolving away from tennis. She's got a new chapter. What's your new chapter? What's your next season? Well, in the series that we're going to cover over the next four weeks, we're talking about this next season. And we have honestly no idea. Some of you might think you know the next season, but you may not, right? We didn't see the pandemic coming. We didn't see September 11th coming. We didn't see uh, 
loss or accidents that would happen or diagnosis that would come up. We don't know what's going to happen in this next season. We really, we really don't know what's yet to be written, but we do know that we're going to need power to get through the next season. What do you think the advice that King Charles is getting right now is, right? What, what are people saying to him? Are they saying, all right, King, you need to like get the best people around you and you need to depend on their counsel so that you can lead and do your duties uh, well and execute them good. And they're saying people power. Maybe they say you need to look into yourself for this next season and trust yourself and trust your gut because you, that's what you're going to need to rely on, right? Maybe it's personal power. But what I, we're talking about today is a power that is greater than any power on earth that is absolutely necessary for you in this next season. And if you tap into this power, this power that we're going to look at in the book of Acts, this power that we're looking at from uh, the, the Holy Spirit's power, this next season could be the best season yet. Did I hear an amen? Remember, it's football season. You got to start cheering when something good happens. That's a touchdown sentence. If you rely on the power of the Holy Spirit for this next season, it could be the next best season yet. Amen? Amen. And as we think about what's next, we're asking God to do incredible things. Newlyweds, what's next as you build a family? Those that are retiring, what's next in this period of retirement? Maybe you've moved homes. Maybe you're in a brand new living situation. What's next for what God has you there? You're in a new class. You're on a new team. You started a new job. You lost a job. What's next? If you rely on the power of the Holy Spirit, it could be the best next yet. And we believe that you can grow deeper, become stronger, and reach farther, not with personal power, not with people power, but with spirit power. Now in the book of Acts, as we talk about this power, today in week one, we're going to go through Acts 1 through 4, so you can follow along in your journals. It's page one. And we're going to talk about the purpose of power and how it unfolds in our lives. As we enter into the book of Acts, as we just finished the book of Matthew, it took us a little bit over a year. This will take us a little bit yet less than a year to get through Acts through a series of series. We're going to be digging in to kind of understand and put ourselves where these readers and characters were and then ask to find the truth that God is presenting and help the, us to put them into our lives today. It's a process we're going to go through every Sunday together. We're going to ask you to talk about this together in your groups during this first month. We'll explain a little bit more about that in just a moment. But if you think King Charles had some anticipatory anxiety in this season, when we open the book of Acts, you're going to meet a group of anxious apostles. I mean, they were terrified. You see, the book of Acts follows in order from the Gospels. And the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, are all about the life of Jesus well, at the end of the Gospels, Jesus dies, is resurrected, amen, and then he ascends to heaven. That's pretty awesome, but he's gone. And all the apostles are like, where are you going? <laughs> like, like, you're God, and we want to hang out with you a little bit more, and now you're just taking off? I don't understand. And they're, he's like, don't worry, I got this, you, you're going to be fine. And they're like, but you're leaving in the clouds. And they're, they're, they, they killed Jesus, they killed God, what are they going to do to us, right? And so all the apostles are kind of like, where do we go, what do we do, are we safe, I don't know how it's going to work out, blank page. 
And the book of Acts is, a, is literally called Acts because it's about the acts of the apostles. It's what they did next. It's how they filled their page. And they, they were depending on God to write the story. And we're going to see the story that they wrote because what happens in the book of Acts literally changes the world. And it's not just one person or 12 apostles or a couple hundred disciples that change the world. It's this Holy Spirit power. The purpose of power that God is giving you is to help you accomplish what's next. So let's dive in. Acts chapter 1, verse 1. It says simply this. In the first, in, in the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. Until the day he was taken up after he had given the command through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after, suffering many, uh, after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them for, during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. That was a marble full of mouths, right? I'm going to say it backwards. That was a mouthful of marbles, right? Look at, look at all of this. Now, this is just deep detail. Like, this is packed. Like, there's a lot here. I, we have a friend that has been talking to us, growing in her faith, and she's saying, I'm reading the Bible. She's reading it through for maybe the first time or the first time in a long time, and she's like, I just, I just really don't know what to do when I read the Bible. Sometimes I get it, sometimes I don't. That's true of all of us. So we teach, I teach, and I'm going to do a class on this maybe this fall or next spring, uh, how to study the Bible. How do you read the Bible? And simply, let me give you three words. You look at it, you think about it, and you do it. Just boil it down to those three steps. First, read it. You got to read it. If you're not reading it, you're not going to get anywhere. Number two, then you got to think about it. Ask questions and get answers. Ask questions, get answers. And then number, number uh, three, do it. Give yourself an application assignment. Right? And after every service, give yourself an application assignment. What am I going to do? What's my job? What's my homework? What's my next step? Well, when you read this chapter, if you're going to do step number one, we're going to just look at it. I encourage you to do something called mark it up. That's why we give you the journals, because we want you to have a pen. And I want you to, like, don't worry about, like, messing up your nice, pretty Bible. You can just use this Bible that's designed to be written on, or you can do it in your Bible. And you can just start marking things up and start making notes. And this is where I wish we had the technology that I could literally draw on this because I totally would do that. But I don't know how to make that happen. If someone knows how to make that happen, you'll be my best friend. That this is, now, if I was going to mark this up and this is where it gets overwhelming, this is what happens. Yikes, right? Like, holy smokes. So, so let's just walk through it. In the first book, so, okay. I'm going to need to observe here. He's talking about a first book. This is apparently a second book. What's the first book? Well, we know that the first book was the book of Luke because we know that the I is also Luke. Luke is the author of Acts. Well, if you're asking questions, who is Luke? Luke is not one of the 12 apostles. It's the only gospel not written by an apostle. Luke is a disciple of Peter. So Luke is, a, is someone who followed Peter, who heard from Peter all of what Jesus did and said. Luke is a doctor who wrote things down, probably writing to his boss who freed him up to do this stuff. And so he's writing back to his boss, Theophilus, and he's saying, hey, in the first book, Luke, I, Luke, have dealt with all the things Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up. So what are the Gospels about? This sums it up right here. That's what Luke wrote about. He wrote about Jesus. And it's pretty amazing. Everything the miracles, everything he taught, the Sermon on the Mount, right? Like the, the parables, the lessons, it's all there in the Gospels, and it's pretty amazing. 
And Luke wrote all that down in volume one, his gospel, until the day he was taken up, right? He ascended into heaven. That's where the gospels end. After he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. And so the apostles are these characters who Peter, James, John, Bartholomew, Thomas, Nathan, Andrew, right? All of these guys who went through this stage. They were doing their thing. They were in the darkness. We were waiting without hope and without light, right? That's them. And then all of a sudden, they get called by God back into this relationship with, with Jesus. Jesus says, follow me. And so the apostles then start following Jesus, and they listen to his stories. They watch his miracles. They see that he's fulfilling all this prophecy from the Old Testament. They're with him, right? They're with him in the, when, he, when he walked on water. They're with him when he raised people from the dead. They're with him when he turned water into wine. They're with him when he took two loaves, uh, two fish and a few loaves, and he fed thousands of people. Like, wow, it was amazing. That's, that's what the, was happening to the apostles. They, they then saw him die. He was arrested. He was crucified, and they were out of there. Like, if he's who he said he was, he shouldn't be dying. He should be winning. And they took off because they thought it was over. They thought they were going to be hunted next. But then the event that changed the world took place. After the cross, Jesus was buried, and he was put in the tomb. And three days later, he rose again from the dead. That's a touchdown statement. Right? Okay? Come on. If that doesn't get you, I'm in trouble today. He rose again from the dead. Amen. Right? Jesus rose. It changes everything. It transformed the world. And then these 12 apostles went from fishermen who were in hiding to, to soldiers fighting a battle empowered by spirit wings to change the world because Jesus rose from the dead. They knew that he was God. He did win. He did win. He did win in that moment when he rose from the dead. They saw it all happen. And he gathers around. The Bible says that he presented himself alive. I should have started. It should be like circled. Like I don't know what I was thinking. To them, after suffering many proofs, he, he, after the suffering, he proved it. I'm here. Feel my nails. Scars. Listen to my words. Watch me walk on water. Watch me continue to do miracles and heal. He proved it. Over 500 people saw Jesus alive after he died. I don't, I don't believe in Jesus' resurrection just because someone told me so. I believe in Jesus' resurrection because it's the best explanation of the events. We got eyewitnesses. Oh, and P.S., I feel his presence. I know his power. Like, he, I'm, I hang out with him every day. But this is like historical stuff. And it changed the world. This is, this is what had happened. Appearing to them during 40 days and speaking, right? Dead people don't speak. <laughs> About the kingdom of God. Now, that's one level. <laughs> Can I show you something super cool about the beginning of Acts? Let's just zoom out for a second and look what we see. There's only a few places in Scripture where we see together God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. You see, in this moment, the Trinity is presented by Luke to us as we get ready to change chapters. Right on this hinge, right on this page train, Luke stops us 
and he zeroes us in to God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Look, he said, I talked to you about everything Jesus did. It was all given through the Holy Spirit, and it's all connected to the kingdom of God. This trinity, this three in one, is now represented. We are talking about power that will, from this day forward, be known as three in one power. The Bible says that three are better than one, right? Because they have each other. Just talks about that practically. Three in one power is all of God three times over. It's pretty spectacular to think about this trinity power that is, that is accessible, that is delivered, that is given to the believers who follow Jesus Christ, who, who receive the Holy Spirit when we're saved, who believe in the name of God and in the power of God. This three-in-one power, just think about it for a second. If you're taking notes down and you're talking about God, what kind of power does God have? Write down Jeremiah chapter 32, verse 17. Jeremiah chapter 32, verse 17. Here's what it says. You, God, made the heavens and earth by your great power. By your outstretched arm, nothing is too hard for you. What kind of power are we talking about with God's power? We're talking about world-making power. We're talking about life-giving power. We're talking about air-filling-the-lungs power. We're talking about future power. We're talking about eternal power. We're talking about infinite power that is present in the person of God. Amen? That's power over, above, through, behind, under, before, and after all things is God. There's nothing God cannot do. Why are you so worried? Why are you so anxious? Why are you so angry? Why are you so upset? Why, why not take that step? Why not walk in faith? Why not sing that song a little bit louder? Why not present that gospel? Because, because if, if we start, listen, if we start relying in our power, life is terrifying. If we start relying on our wisdom, we're fools. But when you have the power of God, nothing is impossible. You get to walk in his strength. That's that's just one out of three power. Now in your notes, write down the word Jesus. And then write this verse next to it. Philippians chapter 3, verse 10. Philippians chapter 3, 10 says, I want to know him. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection. That I may be like him in his suffering." Becoming like him in his death. You see, Paul in, in Philippians is talking about Jesus' power. And what kind of power does Jesus represent? When God gave himself to us in human form, the person of Jesus, he introduced us to resurrection power. The power to live a life that is sin-free. The power to deal with the brokenness and the suffering of this world without becoming broken. 
the power to excel and to walk on this planet and demonstrate that when you walk in God's power, it is possible, even in our humanity, to live the way that Jesus lived, to talk the way that Jesus talked, to walk the way that Jesus talked, to suffer the way that Jesus suffered, to die the way that Jesus died, and still have resurrection, life-giving, soul-breathing power. That's in, that's in the person and the work of Jesus Christ. There is nothing that you can go through that he doesn't understand. There's no pain that you feel that he hasn't already felt. There's no questions that he doesn't have the answers to. He has been present here on earth. We, are, he, we exist to imitate him, to follow him, to listen to him, to be guided by him. Because that's resurrection power that's present in Jesus. God the Son. And then he gives us, that's two out of three, right? <laughs> then he gives us the third of the three in one power the Holy Spirit. This is the power that we will get to emphasize as we study the book of Acts. I'm uber excited. Do you know about Holy Spirit power? Have you ever looked at it? Have you ever studied it? Have you ever seen it in and through Scripture? When Jesus left... The apostles are standing there going, yeah, uh, uh-oh, <laughs> that's my guy. And Jesus says, listen, 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 you're going to be fine. I'm going to make everything okay. I'm going to give you a gift. Just wait for it. He gives us Holy Spirit power. If you're writing Holy Spirit in your notes, write down, we talked about this passage a couple weeks ago, Proverbs 139. Proverbs 139. If you have your Bibles, go there to Proverbs 139. It's not, not Proverbs, I'm sorry, cross it out, Psalms. I'm making it more difficult for you. Psalms 139 is this passage where it talks about the Spirit of God. In the Old Testament, the Spirit of God worked a little bit different than it does in the New Testament. We had in the Old Testament the opportunity to see the Spirit be anointed on certain people for certain purposes, like David when he was the king, and Samuel, and Eli, and Samson, and others. In the New Testament, in this promise of God that he gives us, when we receive, believe in the name of Jesus Christ, we to our advantage, all received the gift of the Holy Spirit. We're baptized, we're filled, we're anointed by the Holy Spirit at the moment of our salvation. And in Psalms chapter 139, verse 7 through 10, it gives you the words of a song. I don't know if I'm going to remember all these chords. This, is, this could go horribly wrong, but I'm, let's, I'm, this is, I sing this to myself whenever I'm feeling anxious or alone or upset. It's a song I learned back in my teens.
heart in verse 7. Where can I flee from your spirit? Where can I go from your presence? To go up to heaven, you're there. To make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, Settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. Make sense? Verse 7 again. Where can I go from your presence? Where can I flee from your spirit? If I go up to heaven, you're there. Make my bed in the depths, you are there. But rise on the wings of the dawn, settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. Where can I flee from your presence? Where can I go from your spirit? But go up to heaven, you're there, make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. Where can I flee from your presence? Where can I go from your spirit? If I go up to heaven, you're there, make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. Oh, your right hand will hold me fast. Your right hand will hold me fast. Holy Spirit power. That's the power of God present with you at all times. There is nowhere you can go. There's no depth you can go to, no height that you can get to. There's no secret place where you can hide from it. The Holy Spirit power is literally the presence of God in your life. Now, that's three-in-one power. Now, when we look at the three-in-one power, here's... Here's just something that we need to remind ourselves. God does not need your power, (laughs) right? He doesn't need it. God doesn't need you. He asks only for your weakness. He asks only for your brokenness. He asks only for nothing in return. God doesn't need you. We need God. Now, so many of us are relying on ourselves for our next chapter. So many of us are relying on ourselves for our next statement, our our salvation. Listen, if you have any questions about whether or not you're saved, I want you to just dig into this principle. You cannot save yourself. You're not that powerful. You don't have enough abilities to do enough good things to make up for your brokenness. It's like if I tried to throw a rock to hit the moon, it's never going to happen. If I even got a running start to jump across the Grand Canyon, I couldn't do it. It's not physically possible. Heaven is further away than that for all of us. 
The only power that has saving power is the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're relying on yourself for your own salvation, I hope someday that I'm good enough to stand before heaven and be let in. That's a, ho- that's a vain hope. You're relying on your own power. If you're hoping in other men, I'm hoping in other religions, I'm hoping in other systems that we can, together in our religion and our system, do enough to earn God's favor. You're still not tapping into the right power. That's people power. People power can't save. There's no man-made religion that can bring salvation to you. We must depend solely in our weakness on God and God alone. He wants us to go to our knees and say, God, I am sinful. I am broken. There's nothing that I can do to save me. Here I am in my weakness and my sinfulness, and I am deciding to become a follower and a depender and and a believer in Jesus. And if you believe in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Bible says you will be saved. The three in one power is saving power. Have you put your faith, your personal faith in Jesus Christ, have you been trusting in a religion or a system or a church or a priest or a mentor or a coach or a parent? Have you put your personal faith in Jesus Christ or are you trusting in more good than bad? Are you trusting in a holy hope that your goodness will outweigh your badness? Are you trusting in uh, the, the, that maybe God will be kind and if you, even if you don't deserve it, he'll let you in? You're kind of crossing your fingers? No, listen, don't, you don't need any of those things. My salvation is not a hope. My salvation is assured in the three-in-one power of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. I know it. Beyond a shadow of a doubt. If you're ready to know Jesus and become a follower of Jesus, man, I would like to encourage you in this moment to say, I'm weak, I'm broken, I'm a sinner. God, I'm sorry. Please come into my life and save me. I want to believe in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Today I give my life to Jesus. And if something has been holding you back, if, you have, if you've been prompted before to give your life to Jesus, but you've been holding it back, don't hold back any farther. Don't hold back any longer. Believe in the name of the Lord Jesus today. I want to encourage you to go to branchlife.church and go to our gospel tab. And you can even do that now on your phones. And there, there you'll see an explanation of what it means to follow God and to become a believer in Jesus. And if today is the day that you want to follow Jesus, I just want to invite you in the quietness of the moment to bow your head, bow your heart, don't talk out loud. But even right now, just have that conversation with God. God, I'm sorry I'm a sinner. I believe in Jesus, that he died on the cross and rose again for me, and I want to become a follower of Jesus. I want to accept the saving power of the Holy Spirit. I believe. Will you save me? And today, if you've done that, man, that's the best day ever. Your life is about to change. Look at it as it goes on in Acts chapter 1, verses 4 to 5. We keep traveling down. It says, and while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem. This is the apostles, but to wait for the promise of the Father. So Jesus was going up, and he's like, all right, don't do anything, just wait. And they went, wait, what do you mean, wait? He called the apostles to a season of waiting where they would have to be in transition before they knew the answers that God would give them, before they understood the gift that God would offer them. They had to wait. Have any of you ever been called to a season of waiting where you didn't know what it was going to be or how it was going to turn out, but God just said, wait? And you said, how dare you? Like, I don't want to wait anymore. I want it to happen now. I want to know the answer now. I want to be better now. And God says, no, wait. 
God often causes us to a season of wait. And the season of wait can be really, really, really hard. But let me give you this truth. The promises of God are always worth the wait. Touchdown sentence. Amen. They're always worth the wait. Think about the promises of God. I will give you strength. I will be your refuge in storm. I will always, always, always love you. No height, nor depth, no angels, no demons can separate us from the love of God. I, God, will build my church. And it's going to have hell-storming power. I will be present with you. You'll never be alone. Those are just some of the problems, promises. There's dozens of them. And the promises of God are always worth the wait. If you're in a season of wait, keep waiting because the promises of God are totally worth it. Don't get mad. Don't get anxious. Don't get angry. Just wait. Wait because God's got something good. And I had a really long story here, but for sake of time, I can't tell you. But it's amazing when you wait on God, he will, he'll let it come out in the end. The second part of that verse says this, For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit many days from now. Here's what you're waiting for. You're waiting for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, for the sake of not getting too technical, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is confusing out there. And a lot of people want to add to the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Let's just simplify it down and boil it down. We talked about baptism the other day, and we know that baptism, when you get saved and you're baptized with water, that simply means you get surrounded by, dunked underneath, all encompassed by water. Baptism, immersed, it's all around you. I could be immersed today in eagles frenzy. I'd be baptized in the eagles, right? Like that's, that's a thing. And the Bible talks about this baptism, this immersion, in several different ways and several different times. Here he talks about water baptism and he talks about spirit baptism. Well, what is spirit baptism? The spirit will come upon you. You will be surrounded by it. You will be, it'll be all in you and through you, above you and before you. You're going to be immersed totally and fully in the Holy Spirit. So the baptism of the spirit refers simply to the placement of a new believer into the body of Christ. This spirit in this baptism moment puts you into the body of Christ. You're put there by the Holy Spirit. The new Christian is now in Christ. We say this word quite a bit in our religious circles. We're in Christ. How'd you get there? The Holy Spirit. This baptism of the Spirit is permanent, and it happens at the moment of conversion. Once you believe in Jesus, I call upon the name of the Lord to be saved. He saves you. Believe in your heart, confess with your mouth, Jesus Christ is Lord, you're saved. In that moment, you're baptized by the Holy Spirit, and he doesn't leave you, he doesn't forsake you. Why? Because that would be breaking his promise. I am with you always, he says. How does that happen? Through the Spirit. Where can I go from your Spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to heaven, you're there, right? You can't get out of it. He's there, always and completely. This baptism is, is accessible to you, and it, it changes you from the moment you're saved. You see, these apostles in the beginning of Acts were waiting for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They had a waiting period, but God has told us now, once that baptism came at the day of Pentecost, it's available to everyone who believes in the, moment, uh, believes in the name of Jesus at the moment of their conversion, at the moment of their salvation. You have the Holy Spirit in you if you believe in the name of Jesus. 
And some people say, no, I want it to be cooler than that. How does it get any cooler than that? Like, that's not boring. That's not dumb to say it's just here and it's always here once you're saved. There's no special thing that needs to happen for you to get connected to the Holy Spirit. It's always around. You always have access to it. You can just decide whether or not you walk in the power of the Spirit or whether you walk in the power of the flesh. That's a you problem, not a spirit problem. And so the moment you say, I'm walking in the power of the Spirit, you are continuing this truth that the the Spirit is with me always. There's three things that people always pray at the beginning of every prayer. We say, Dear Heavenly Father, that's our first sentence typically, right? And that's good. That's from the Lord's Prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this day, which is very good to be grateful. And then, please be with me. Stop. Don't. Don't ask the third one. You don't need to. You just hold on to his promise. Right? Be with me when I travel today. He's already there when you're traveling. (laughs) Come be with us in church. He's here. Be with my daughter in eighth grade. He's got her. Right? Like, you don't need to ask for that. That's already done. Let's get off of autopilot in our prayers and let's just start thinking about what God can do because the presence is there. God, as I travel today, help me to have a confidence in your spirit. Help me to take the opportunity to give Jesus to the driver in front of me and behind me, to the gas attendant and to the person driving in the seat. God, today, because you're with my daughter, would you help her be a good friend and a good student and have less anxiety when she gets extra homework, right? Help her in the test to recall what she studied for. Why would he do that? Because he's with her right that's the power of the holy spirit when you are baptized in the holy spirit you now have access to the holy spirit at all times 24 7 three in one power all in one place that's why the promise of god is simply so powerful i am with you always touchdown statement the passage goes on talks to him and says lord at this time restore my kingdom will you will you do the restoring thing he's saying wait He said to them, it's not for you to know the time or the seasons. The Father is fixed by his own authority. Have you ever been like, God, would you just tell me what's up now? Tell me now. Give me a verse. I want to know who I'm going to marry. I want to know how long, you know, I want to know, like, if I'm supposed to find a new job. Like, tell me now. He's like, no, no, not for you to know. (laughs) Stinks, man, doesn't it? You got to wait because you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You will receive power. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you to be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea. Now, I'm going to mark it up for a second. First, you're going to receive power. We've talked all about that already this morning. The second thing I noticed is that it's a you that's going to receive the power. You, little, piddly, stupid, foolish you, are going to receive the power. That's pretty awesome. Right? Who are you? You're a sinner saved by grace. You're limited in your knowledge and your scope. You're, you have a, a small window of opportunity of 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, 100 years to do what God wants you to do in this generation, in this time, and in the Psalms it says you're going to do it and then you're going to die. You get to receive that power to be something. God is empowering you for what's next. What's the purpose of power It's the power you need for what's next. It's what will be. And God is offering you this power to drive forward in whatever next. God has asked us to be 
a branch, right? That's why we're Branch Life Church. I'm the vine, you are the branches. Apart from me, you can do nothing, but in me, you will bear much fruit. God, what's next for you? Fruit, peace, joy, love, patience, kindness, fruit, more people coming to Jesus, fruit, helping and caring and using your gifts and talents for God, fruit, healthy marriages, fruit, being a good uh, student in, in school, fruit, helping your team win the games, playing to the best of your ability, being the child who honors their father and mother, being the parent who gives their children wisdom, fruit, being able to even bear fruit in your old age if you're planted in the courts of God, fruit is what's next. We're called to be salt and light, right? God wants us to be a shining light on the hill. You can shine in dark places. Is it dark out there? Is our world divided? Is it broken? Is it in conflict? Is there wars? Is there neighbors cursing at neighbors? Yeah. What's next for you? Be light. Stand up. Shine bright for Jesus. For the love of God and the love of neighbor. Be known for that. So that when someone walks past you, they say, he's different, they're special, they're, they're joy and sorrow, they're unified in a time of division. He's called us to be salt, then we're supposed to help the earth, preserve the earth, to make our communities better, stronger. That's what's next. So in your life, you might have a new chapter, a new rhythm, a new school year, a new adventure, a new challenge, or a new, new opportunity. Pick one. You've got at least one of those. In this next chapter, you have something new. God wants to give you the power that you need to get through it. My friend's here who got diagnosed with cancer last year. She's, she's been given this, the, the doctor's term of cancer-free. How cool is that? Right? She had a new challenge. Now that becomes a new opportunity. Right? So there's a new chapter. A, a good friend in our small group just this last week lost his job after 20 years because the company's downsizing. New challenge, new adventure, new opportunity. What's next? Maybe you're retired, right? Maybe, maybe, maybe you can't play in the next U.S. Open or you're the king of England. What's next? You have a chapter that's being written, and God wants to empower you for what's next. He wants you to succeed in this next chapter. He wants you to do well in this next chapter, not just for the sake of prosperity, but for the sake of the gospel, because he says you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you because you will be my witnesses. How you handle your struggles, your challenges, how you t take this next adventure, where you go in this next journey, how you accomplish the school year, how you get through your new job, how you handle being unemployed, how you travel through a cancer diagnosis, how you deal with your first year of marriage, all of those things are going to either be a witness or they're going to point people away. And God wants you to use your next chapter to be witnesses for Jesus as you're the hands and feet and ambassadors and church of God. So that people will come to know him. What's next for you is to use whatever opportunity, whatever challenge, whatever adventure is there for the glory of God so that others may know him. So I want to invite you to be a part of what God is doing next with Branch Life Church. If you're online, you're from out of town, you can continue to serve online, or you can connect with a church in the same spirit. I want to invite you to do what God is going to call you to do next, together in the body of Christ, through the three-in-one power. Here's step number one. Stay connected 
and fill out your card. All of you have a green card that's in the pocket in front of you. Would you just connect with us today? Whether you've been here before or whether it's your first time, let us know that you're here. Let us know that we can pray for you, and let's talk about next steps. Let's get to know each other. A year ago today, we met new young adults, young couples, and families who in this past year have joined Branch, are team leaders, are part of groups, and they're thriving in their next chapter. That could be your story. Or maybe it's time for you to get connected a little bit further since you've been here a little bit longer. Let's just pray together about what's next. Uh, we, we think that God has got great, huge, massive things next for Branch Life Church. We're going to talk about that in the months ahead. We want you to be a part of it. It's going to be awesome. Number two, we, we want to invite you to talk it over in a group. This week, in our small groups, they're going to be looking at Acts chapters 1, verses 1 through 11, and they're going to talk about it. And, and we would like you to do that. You don't have to be a part of a group to do that. You can just be a one-time visitor, or you can jump in, go to branchlife.groups, uh, church slash groups, and you can kind of see when and where the groups are meeting. Mine's on Friday. You're welcome to come out. We have the best group in the church. Just saying. Not that it's a competition, but we win. We encourage this because it's part of doing life together. Um, next week, we're going to talk more about groups, so come next week. And then uh, as you join us next week, we're going to continue the series. And we're going to talk about this empowerment as we travel through the next set of verses. We're going to remember this, this, remember this this week. Wherever you go, God is with you, right? Don't be anxious. Don't be scared. Don't be mad. God is with you, and he's promised that he will come back again. Amen? He's coming again. But until then, he's given us the gift of the Holy Spirit. And you see that in Acts chapters 1, 9 through 11. Next week, we're going to talk about how to become a leader that's empowered by God. Leaders. We can change the world in God's power. So take a moment, fill out your connection card. Thank you so much for joining us today. Hey guys, I hope you found that helpful and it was encouraging to you. Again, if you have any questions, uh, please go to branchlife.church. You'll find two things there. One, the gospel tab that'll tell you more about what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And if you have any questions about that, go there and I'll see you at that in that video. Second, fill out the connection card. Let us know that you're, you've worshiped with us and if you have any questions or any next steps, you can fill it out there. And if this episode was helpful to you, join us for the next one at our website or at our YouTube channel and share it with your friends. Have a great rest of your day.